So let's all stand and turn our Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. We hear a lot from the Apostle Paul uh, in his 13 epistles, and we hear a lot from Jesus in the Gospels. But today, uh, we're going to turn our attention to something that, that Peter said. This is Jesus' right-hand man, Peter. And uh, he was a man that was, uh, he had some personality quirks. He had some things that, that were, he, was, he wasn't always the best with words. But we, he gives us some advice and tells us something as a church in the book of First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, uh, that we need to take heed of this morning. If you're there, please say amen. The Bible says this, he says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not attained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for your wonderful blessings that you've given us today. And Lord, we thank you for another day to worship you, Lord, as a congregation. And God, I just pray that you will bless everyone that's here. Lord, thank you for the, the folks that were able to come out this morning and, and worship you. And God, we know that there's many that would love to be here this morning that, that cannot be here for various reasons, whether it be sickness or, or, or other things that are going on in their life. God, I just pray that you would bless them as well. And Lord, the ones that may watch this by way of internet later, I just pray that you would bless them. And, and the same spirit that's here this morning, God, be uh, wherever they're watching. And God, I just pray that you would uh, open the minds of people and open their hearts. And God, let them receive your word. God, I pray that you would move me out of the way. Just use me as your vessel to speak. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We don't hear a whole lot from Peter uh, from the pulpit. I don't preach from the, the book of Peter very much. In fact... Believe it or not, and I'll tell you this, and, and this will be hard for some folks to believe, there are people in this world uh, of the Baptist faith, not the free will Baptist necessarily, but the Baptist faith, that say that we should not open the book of Peter very much, and, and especially we shouldn't get any doctrine from the book of Peter. And they believe that you can only get uh, church doctrine from the Pauline epistles, but I believe that the entire word of God is inspired, don't you? I believe that, that Timothy tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And so we get to the book of, of, of 1 Peter here, and he's just now beginning, and we get to chapter 2, and he says these words, and he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to the people of God, and he says, You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. And then he says this, which is, which is my favorite thing in the entire uh, verse there, he says that we are a peculiar people. Now, a lot of people say, well, I, you know, I can deal with chosen, I can deal with royal, and, and I'm not that great, but okay, we're a royal priesthood. But then he says, but I don't want to be peculiar. Anybody in here just enjoy being peculiar? 
You know, you, you meet those people in life, don't you, that when you, when you run into them and you start talking to them, you say, there's just something peculiar about them. And, there's some, and a, maybe a different word that we would use there, and a lot of times we get this word confused, uh, we'll say weird and, and peculiar kind of go together, but that's not what Peter's talking about this morning. He's not saying that we're a, a weird group of people. He's not saying that we're a bunch of strange people. He says we are peculiar in the fact that we are different from the world. Would you say amen to that? That he says that, that we are, he doesn't, he says ye are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation and you are, not that you, you might be or you could be, but you are a peculiar people. And so let me give you this this morning, that God absolutely makes a difference between his people and those that are not his people. There's a difference, would you say amen, between what I would say is us, the church, and the world. And there absolutely should be a difference between somebody who is born again and somebody who is not born again. And he goes on to say, he says that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he's, he's definitely talking to believers here. He, he's talking about called out, that means to be saved. He says, in time past you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And this is the difference that he makes between people, the two types of people. There are those that, that have not obtained mercy, and there are those that have obtained mercy. What is mercy? A lot of people, we like to talk about grace, don't we? We like to sing amazing grace, and, and grace is getting something that you do not deserve, but mercy is just the flip side of that. It is not getting something that you absolutely deserve. God's mercy to you this morning is that because of the blood of Jesus, He withholds the wrath that is coming to you, but because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then God withholds His judgment and withholds His wrath. That is a perfect picture of mercy this morning. Amen? And so we have two types of people, those who have mercy and those who do not have mercy. And then he goes on to say this, and, and we're going to turn somewhere else in just a moment. He says, but having your conversation honest among the Gentiles... That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that you may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. One of the things that I see and, and experience a lot today is that the people of God are beginning to, and have been for, for some time actually, starting to look less and less like God and more and more like the world. Would you all agree with that statement? And that's, 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 a, that's a grave statement. That's, that's something that, that you kind of you say, well, I, I don't really want to hear that this morning, but, but I believe that to be the truth. I believe as I look around and as I talk to people and see things that happen and things that go on against, uh, in the church, and I think, man, these people are supposed to be different than the world. We're supposed to be different. He says a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a peculiar people. We're different 
And there is a difference between the people that are saved and the people that are not saved. Amen? Now I want to throw this at you and go ahead and say this this morning that because you were saved that does not make you a superior person. You're not necessarily better than anybody else. Just because you're saved doesn't, doesn't mean you should walk around with your nose up in there and act like you're superior and, and that you're morally a lot better than everybody else because even though we're saved, would you still say that we make some mistakes? That we have some flaws, that we may have some ugly spots, some warts in our life that, that are not great. And, and as, as great as it is, as awesome as, as it is to be saved, we should still be humble in our faith. Amen? There's a difference. And I, wanna, I want you to turn your attention, and this is going to be the main text this morning, to, to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. I wanted to open with 1 Peter chapter 2, but let's, let's turn to Romans chapter 12. And, and there's Bibles in the pews, or, or you can open your Bible if you have one. And we're going to read a couple of verses. A very familiar piece of Scripture, and this, this shouldn't take anybody by surprise. But you ask yourself the question, if there is a difference, what is the difference? What does the difference look like? What, what is the practical part of that in, in everyday life, if you will? And now we're, we're back to the Apostle Paul's writing in the book of Romans. And again, he's talking to, to save people. And he says this in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, who? Brethren. And then he says, by the mercies of God. Now you remember, we, we've already established that that word mercy, it is a very important word. It is, it is a word that you should know the meaning of, especially if you were living in the mercy of God. He says, by the mercies of God, by, by God withholding His judgment. He said, in light of the fact that God is not giving you what you deserve today, He said, this is what you should do. He says that you should present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says this, and then he says, not only should you present your bodies a living sacrifice, he says, but you should be holy and acceptable unto God. Why? Because it's reasonable. This is your reasonable service. You know, we don't talk a lot about sacrifice, but if you remember in the Old Testament, how, how many of you have read the book of Leviticus? Has anybody just read through the book of Leviticus? If you have, raise your hand. Now, if you enjoyed the book of Leviticus, raise your hand. I don't see anybody except Matthew back there, but, but Matthew is Matthew's peculiar. I'll say that. Amen. Joanna, is Matthew peculiar? And it talks about the sacrifices and and how the, if you committed this sin, then you would, have to, uh, you would have to take this sacrifice to the temple. And you would, if you committed a major sin, then you might have to take a bull. And if, if you, just, you, know, you just did a little something, you know, the, the Leviticus talks about all these different sins. And it gives all these sacrifices. And the thing about the sacrifices, and, and any sacrifice in general, is that a sacrifice, when you give it, it's gone. It's dead, right? I mean, when the priest, when you, when you took those doves or you took that lamb or you took that, that bull or whatever you took it, they would, they would kill it and then they would put it on the altar. And once that sacrifice was made, it was said and done, right? But here in the book of Romans chapter 12, 
Paul says something that, that's kind of counterintuitive, something that's a little strange. He says a living sacrifice. A sacrifice that is alive. Now, anybody that has studied the Bible and, and is a Christian for very long should understand that you are supposed to live every day as a sacrifice to God. Amen? The Apostle Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that you, we must die daily. But here's the thing about a living sacrifice. Do you know what it does and it can do? It can get off the altar sometimes. Amen? If the sacrifice is alive and, and we're supposed to be on that altar every single day giving ourselves to God, but sometimes if we're not careful, you know what we do? We, we tend to just kind of crawl off the altar and go somewhere else and get into some other things. But he says that we are to be a living sacrifice. And then he says this. He says, holy. I believe the word holy is, is a, a scary word to free will Baptists. We were in, in South Georgia this week on our mission trip. And uh, we, we were going to get some milkshakes, praise the Lord. And we were driving down the road. And I saw this church, and I, and I noticed that it's, it was, it, I, I, I thought it said Baptist church, but then I thought I saw the word holiness in front of Baptist. And the way I grew up is that holiness and Baptist are two totally different groups of people, amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Is everybody with me this morning? Y'all are kind of asleep, aren't you? If you're, if you're asleep, just continue to sleep. We'll get through this together. It'll be okay. But I saw Holiness Baptist. I believe it was like Piney Knot Holiness Baptist Church or something. And I, I sat there and I scratched my head and I thought, as, as bad as this is to say and as sad as it is to say, that generally Baptists are not associated with holiness. <laughs> Y'all ever think about that? There, there's a joke in there somewhere, isn't there? And, and you think that's kind of sad, right? But when people think of Baptists and free will Baptists, they, they don't necessarily think of holiness and what we've, we've interpreted holiness to be. See, a lot of times in, in, the, in the current religious climate that we live in here, especially in the South, we think when I think of holiness, I think of somebody that's speaking in tongues. I think of somebody that, that may have a dress on down to their ankles and, and ladies with really long hair. And you know, y'all have maybe seen that kind of thing. And, but we think of that as holiness. And, and we think of holiness as, as looking at other people in this really bad, begrudging way. And that, that we're always, we should judge people and all that. And, that, and we think that's holiness. But I don't think holiness according to God is the same as we think of holiness according to the religious movement. See, holiness is simply being this. It's being pure. And, and another way that you could put it is being holy is to be set aside or consecrated for something. And as Christians, we, we understand that the Holy Ghost has moved into our bodies. Do you believe that this morning? That, that we are indwelled by the Spirit of God. And therefore, I believe that if, if God is going to live in, in us, we ought to be a holy people. We ought to be a people that it, er, is trying to live right and trying to do right according to the Word of God and present our bodies a living sacrifice. So what does it look like to be holy? It's not necessarily uh, just, just putting on a, a, a facade and, and putting on a show for people. And You know when people try to act the holiest when they're talking to the preacher? I'll give you an example. 
No, nobody here, okay? This is not anybody here. But I was talking to a guy uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago, and about every other word that came out of his mouth had four letters in it. And I'll just let you, you know, work that out in your own mind, all right? And he was, he was cussing up a storm, and, and all of a sudden, he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm the pastor of a church. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, those four-letter words uh, just, just got sanctified. And, uh, the, and he began to talk about church, and, and, and what church, he even talked about what church he went to. And he began to, to say all these, these church words, you know, like, like saved and, and, and baptism and, and you know, uh, fried chicken, things like that. He, would say, he said all these church words. And, and, and he said all these things. And I thought, now wait a minute. Just two minutes ago or 30 seconds ago or how long it, however long it was, you had these, these words coming out of your mouth that I, I did not equate to holiness. And then all of a sudden you're in the presence, uh, my presence, of, of a pastor or a preacher, and all of a sudden you, you become a saint of God. And, and, you know, I appreciated it that he cleaned up his language, okay? I did appreciate that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to belittle that or, or minimize that. But understand this, that you don't have to be in my presence, but you are always in the presence of God. So no matter whether I'm standing there or, or whether one of the deacons is standing there or whoever it is that may be associated with church, understand this, that you are always being watched and listened to by a holy God. So why would you make a difference? And this guy, and I, I didn't really have time to dig a little deeper and, and find out if he had a testimony of being saved or not. He just he was using church words and church, church language and all this but it made me think about the book of Psalms chapter number 40 remember we're talking about holiness right is everybody still with me if you are say amen and Psalm chapter 40 says this he said I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and then he says this, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. And then verse 3 says this, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. So here's the thing about it, this actually says a new song, but, but I believe when somebody is born again, you, you get a new mouth. Amen? Brother Albert said amen. I appreciate that, brother. Everybody, you're going to have to guard me after the church because I'm preaching on some people now, apparently. But when you get saved, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you, you will not say the things that you said before. Amen? You will not use that type of language. You will not say those things. And then not only did he talk about putting a new song in our mouth, and I'm not even going to preach on ungodly music because I could go off on that for a long time because I'm a musician. But then he said he also establishes our goings. Do you know what that means? That not only do the people of God, uh, what are supposed to be holy people, not only do they not talk like the world, but they also don't go a lot of the places that the world goes. And they don't, they don't do a lot of the things that the, the world does. 
Does this make us better? No, it just makes us save people. Amen? And so the first, the first way that you can tell if somebody's different is if they are holy. If they are set apart. Now understand this, that, that in myself, in and of myself, I'm not capable of, of pure holiness. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes. In fact, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I made a few mistakes this week. Did you? Probably so. If you want to admit it, then you've got a pride problem, I would say. But let me say, just because you don't think you can do it doesn't mean that you should stop trying. See, I hear that a lot of times. Well, I, I know that, that I can't live according to the Word of God, so, so really I'm not even going to try because, because God understands. God, God knows. Yes, God knows. And even if you are messing up and even if you do slip occasionally and, and make a mistake or, or do something that the Bible doesn't consider to be holy, guess what? God will forgive you. God does know, but that doesn't, you shouldn't use that as, as an excuse not to live a holy life. I believe that God expects us to live a holy life. Amen? Why? Because it is acceptable to Him. And the next thing goes right along with it, and you couldn't mention holiness without talking about this, because you can't be holy on your own. But verse number 2 of, of Romans chapter 12 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the greatest signs of, of, of a difference between a lost and a saved person is the transformation that takes place. And that trans transformation can be manifested in, in a number of ways. Holiness is one of them. But have you ever met somebody that when, when you knew them before and then you knew them after they got saved, you could really see a difference? You know people like that, right? I, I believe I have told you about my uncle, and I'll, I'll tell you about him again. Uh, I've got an uncle and, and my family. I'm going to preach on him, so don't tell him I did this, okay, when we get to the family reunion later. But I've got an uncle, and, and he got saved when he was 45 years old. And before he got saved, he wasn't what you would consider to be a bad guy. You know, he wasn't out robbing banks and, and doing all these bad things that we, we think of as, as what makes you an awful person. But whether he was doing bad things or not, he still didn't accept Jesus as his Savior. So he was lost. And he would work hard and he would do right for his family. And then finally at the age of 45 he got saved and, and baptized and began to read his Bible and began to pray and, and, and all these wonderful things that Christians do. And let me tell you, if there's ever been a transformed man, it was him. Like I said before, he wasn't necessarily just doing anything that I considered to be super terrible and, and just bad and, and say, well, that guy's going to hell because he did this, this, and this. But he, came, he became, and when the Holy Spirit became a Christian and the Holy Spirit indwelled him, you know what happened? He was transformed by the renewing of his mind. And his testimony is now, he'll say this, he said, before I got saved, he said, I didn't hardly love anybody. He said, but now since I got saved, God put love in my heart for everyone. You know what that is? That is a transformed person. 
And that's another way that you can tell whether someone is, is, is on the side of God and someone's different. Is, is what is their attitude towards other people? You can tell a lot about somebody by their attitude. Can you say amen? And you say, well, what's, what's their attitude towards other people? Do they love people to, or, or do they just sort of tolerate people? And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, even as the pastor of the church, I catch myself tolerating people sometimes. You ever do that? You ever just tolerate people because you have to? I guess I'm the only one. I'll get on the altar and I'll be back in a minute, okay? Nobody else does that besides me. But that's a difference. You know, we're supposed to love people. We're not only supposed to love saved people, but we're supposed to love lost people. How many of you genuinely love the lost? How many of you are genuinely concerned for the lost that are in our community? Let me tell you this, they're, they're not just in our community, they're in the, there's lost people sitting in our church. And the difference is, is, is a Christian... We're concerned about that. I'm concerned about that. How you deal not only with God and your holiness is important, but how you deal with other men. That is how you can tell whether or not somebody has been transformed. That is how you can tell. That, that's how you know if somebody's peculiar. You know, if, if somebody just treats you like dirt and you still love them anyways, I don't know about you, but that's a peculiar thing to do, isn't it? That's countercultural. That's not what the world does. Why, if the world, you know what the world says? If somebody does something to you, then you might as well just go ahead and get right back at them. But God said, just turn the other cheek. God said, love your enemies. Countercultural things, but yet that is the difference that is made in us. And then finally, we move on just just a few more. Uh, just maybe another sentence in this verse. I'm going to read the whole uh, verse again. He says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, the thing about Christians those that are born again, is that when it comes to what we are doing with our life, we leave that up to God. See, that's, that's different than the standard of the world. You know what the world says to our young people? The world says to our young people, make as much money as you can, as fast as you can. And it doesn't matter who you step on to get there. Just, just All you've got to do is you've got to succeed, you've got to make money, and you've got to make yourself look good. I saw a college student nodding their head. That's what they push, ain't it, Mason? Just be successful. Do, you know, do the best you can and, and, and you know, major in this or major in that and do this and do Hey, here, the, the money's over here now. And that's what the world says. But you know what God says in in His will? His will, I'll say this, His will may be for you to be successful and make a lot of money and and do that. And that's awesome. But a lot of times for, for people it's not to do that. And sometimes you may be qualified to do one thing and the will of God is for you to do something totally different. 
for you to go do this or, or go do that. And, and you know what that is? That is the difference between somebody that is, is lost and saved. If you are following God's will for your life, then, then you can pretty much tell that there's a, there's a difference. There's something peculiar about that person. You know what's peculiar to me? When somebody comes to this church and they say, well, my house is for sale, uh, I've got one car left, and, and, and I'm about to go and be a missionary, and then they just put in a country there, you insert that name. And they say, I'm raising money. Now, how many of you think that that's just the American dream right there, to give up everything that you know and everything that you have to hop on a plane and go to, go to Bora Bora and preach to people? Anybody look forward to doing that? That's peculiar, isn't it? But that may be the will of God for that person. That may be the good and perfect and acceptable will of God for that person's life. And not only, we, uh, we talked about holiness and transformation, but one of the things that I see more than, more than anything in our churches, and I think it would make a huge difference, I think our churches would be revived and, and, and just great things would happen if people would just get in the will of God. If people would, would, would quit chasing worldly things, quit, quit following success and money and, and, and people's applaud and, and applause and all these things, if we would quit going after those things and we would be a holy, transformed people, that are in the will of God, then I believe if we would do that, if we would turn ourselves over to God, then God could do great things in this church, in, in the church that, that Edward and Deanna attend in, in South Georgia. If that church would do the same thing, then great things would happen there. Great things probably are happening there. But let me tell you that, that none of these things really can happen until we submit ourselves, until we become that sacrifice on the altar until we're peculiar, we're different, we're, we're, we're not going the way of the world, but yet we're going the opposite way. You know, part of, part of uh, salvation is repentance. Yeah, right, everybody knows that. you got to repent, but what does it mean to repent? You know what repentance is? It means you're going this way, and you make a 180, and you start going that way. And so while the world's going that way, guess what? We're going that way. It's not always easy to be holy. Amen? It's not always easy to live a transformed life. It's not always easy to live in the will of God. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'm not going to say that it's just going to be great all the time and things are going to be perfect. But let me tell you this, that, that if you'll do it, even though things may not be going well and, and it may not be easy, I guarantee that you'll be a person that has joy in their life. You'll be a person that has fulfillment in their life. And all you got to do is be peculiar, right? Be different. God makes a difference. God made, has, has made a difference in, in, in His people for about as long as we can read in the Bible. He called people out. He called Abraham out. He called his people out of Egypt. And he's, he's always calling his people out. And this morning, he may be calling you out and, and, and challenging you to be that, that person that is peculiar, that person that's part of the royal priesthood and the chosen generation, that person who is willing to lay theirself on the altar and say, Here I am, God. What would you have me to do? I'll do whatever it is. 
We need some people that will step up and say that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I thank you for the guidance that we can find in it. And Lord, we just, we've just read maybe six or seven verses this morning, and yet there's such a, a treasury of knowledge here that we can't even begin to scratch the surface. And Lord, as your word has went out, God, I just pray that, that hearts would be receptive. And Lord, that people would, would, would not hear me, but Lord, that they would hear you. God, help in this place. Lord, I pray that you would help people to be holy. You would help us to have uh, renewed minds and, and transform lives. And that most of all, we could be in your perfect will. And we could find our spot in your body. And we could do what you would have us to do. And, and Lord, that maybe we would quit doing our own thing. And we would quit doing what we want to do and what the world says we should do. And God, we would sit down and be serious and ask you, God, what is it that you want me to do? Lord, we trust you. God, I trust that this message has, has found the place that it needs to go this morning. And Lord, I've planted, God, I just pray that you would water and give the increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's